There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Pastor Mike with you again today here on WCN TV. Thank you for joining us. You're going to love this lady and the book that she's written because I have to tell you a personal testimony. I loved it. And you'll want to get the book. And I'll give you the website before we even get started on this interview. www.marianne-howard.com. It's up on the screen. Thank you, producer, for putting that up there. Overcoming spiritual fatigue. Now, as a pastor, I have to tell you something. I've talked about rest in many different contexts, many different sermons over the years. (laughs) But I never seem to be able to completely wrap my hands around it and incorporate that into my own life. (laughs) There's reasons for that, and we're going to talk about all of those things Marianne, I am so blessed to have you join me today on WCN-TV. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, you know, Americans, we are some of the most stressed out, (laughs) anxious people on the face of the planet. Now, we think we have good reason for that. We have a long list. (laughs) I I don't want to be unkind and call them excuses, but... We think that uh, that's just what it means to live the American dream, that we're constantly on the go, on the go, on the go. Um, Busyness. You talk about busyness. You talk about hurriedness. And, Mm -hmm. and, well, you talk about so many things. I think I told you before we went on the air, Marianne, I don't know that we're going to get through all of these things. (laughs) So, friends, you're going to have to get the book. I guess that's where I'm going with this. Get the book. Read it for yourself, and I'm going to believe that when you get the book and read it for yourself, you're going to have someone's face in your mind that needs to read this book, and you're going to pass that along. That would be mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. So I guess because I've already read the book, and I know it's about your life and testimony and about how you found yeah. rest, yeah. Um, what led you to write this in the first place? Because this is, by your own admission— <laughs> completely contrary to your own life. Yes. Yes. It was an unusual 
um, it was a very unusual process. I, uh, the, the publisher actually came to me and said, we want you to write a book. We think God has something to say through you. And, and you have carte blanche. You can write about what you want to. And so as I began to pray and ask God what it is, um, rest was the word that God kept bringing to my mind. And I resisted, 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 because just so you guys know, I resist rest. I do not do it. I don't celebrate it. It's hard for me. I'm always in a hurry. I'm always on the go. I'm a wife to a pastor. I'm a mom uh, to two, two teenage boys. I'm a friend. I'm a ministry leader myself. I work. There's lots going on. And so the Lord, he, he wanted to show me something very important. To be honest with you, this work came out of my own wrestle. And so I think God just had me sit in the corner in the back of my house to spend time with him and understand more about what he wants for me and that he's the giver of rest. I'm, I'm, I'm turning to the wrong things. Amen. Amen. Here's a quote, uh, folks, from Marianne's book. In our hurried culture, your life's purpose is determined by what you do. Boy, isn't that the truth? We ask people all the time when we first meet them. So what do you do? Because mm-hmm. that's that's at the top of our list. What we do identifies us. Well, not so fast. The rest of the quote. God's idea of purpose is not about doing. It's about what you are becoming. Boy, that zeroes us in, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think, I think our culture, we idolize efficiency, speed, productivity, Mm -hmm. achievement, self-sufficiency, that autonomy Mm -hmm. and convenience. And all of these things are getting in the way of staying close to God. That's right. And so our value and worth is getting attached to being in demand. So we get addicted to the need to be needed, which you read about in, early in the in the mm-hmm. book. We get addicted to the need to be needed rather than need than the need for God to move. And we've been, been, become so consumed with strategy, skill, and charisma, we've stopped emphasizing the soul side of leadership. And so what happens is we will we are always assigning to ourselves some sort of identity, and we will either shop for it vertically or horizontally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so as we get started, Marianne, some folks are not going to be familiar with soul care, that phrase soul care. What does that even mean? That sounds kind of new agey to me. I'm not sure that I can buy into that. So sure. what do you mean by that? And, and, and I think once folks grasp what that means, it's like, oh yeah, of course, of course. Sure. Sure. So, you know, we have become overworked, underrested, and overcommitted. As I said before, those things are compromising our connection with God. And so when I say that soul care is that place where God is at work inside of us, that's your soul, the place where God is at work inside of us. And it is connected. When you read scripture, it says, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All means all. Those are connected. And so when I talk about soul care, it is about your soul's connection to God, that inner place where God is at work. And so one of the things that I and I'm sure we're going to talk about this in the conversation, but a lot of what I emphasize in the book and where we get rest is through spiritual disciplines for intimacy which helps us that soul care piece. There's steps that I give to help connection to help connection to God. We've got to, we've got to make some adjustments in our daily living so that we are pressing in to know him. We're, we're unplugging from the noise and plugging into the presence of God. 
Yes, amen. And love the layout of, of, of your book, Marianne, as well. And and folks, listen, it's you may be looking at this and, and you're thinking, wow, well that's that's a that's a pretty short book. I can I can whip that out in in an hour or so. And I'm gonna tell you right up front, no, you won't. It, it's only eight chapters, but I can guarantee you you'll be pausing on on about every page and rereading something because you want to absorb it. You 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 want to to give it a little more thought and meditate on these principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the book, Marianne, because you actually give uh, steps mm-hmm. in, in each of them. You give examples. Um, well, let's just talk about that. Uh, so in, in, in chapter one, um, mm-hmm. by the way, the forward was great. Uh, you work with, mm-hmm. with Ron. Dr. Hunter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You work with him and uh, the D six family ministry. Uh, the, the introduction was was fantastic, and and you actually shared something that you're going to share later in the, the book about uh, it's your habit to run on empty. And you <laughs> back in the day, I used to do the very same thing because I just didn't have time to stop and get gas. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's a dangerous right. thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it yes. is. Especially when it when you're talking about it in the spiritual context, but. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we are seeing leaders. I'm reading from the book in the introduction. We're seeing leaders abandon the ministry in record numbers. Mm-hmm. That is truth. Yes. I don't know if this is accurate, Marianne. Maybe you know what the figure is. But I, I was thinking I read recently, um, and this seems high just, just saying it, but mm-hmm. it seems like it was 1,500 pastors a month that are mm-hmm. walking away from the ministry. Does that sound? Yes. yes, that is that. And that is those numbers are coming out post COVID. So yes. yes, because they walked through trauma and they're, they're in ministry leadership. We're, we're constantly walking in peace, people's trauma and, um, and then we aren't recovering. And the other thing is a lot of times, and I'm really passionate about this a lot of times, and you know, I get into this in the second half of the book, but a lot of times we're always prepping to speak and to teach and to preach mm-hmm. and we're the Bible becomes a means to an end rather than an end itself. And so we have to be careful as leaders that we're studying the Bible for our own soul and our soul's connection with God and not just preparing, not just using the Bible as I'm preparing for somebody else. You know, he's a personal God. You know, he, when he, when Jesus died, he tore that veil from top to bottom to invite us into intimate relationship with us. And leader, I just hope you're listening because he's invited you into a personal relationship with him, not just the people that you lead. That's, that's exactly right. And, and listen, um, you may be thinking, I'm not a leader. Well, Mm -hmm. here are the two qualifications. If you're inspiring or if you're influencing other people. You're That's a leader. Right. That's right. Amen. So here's the deal. And, and, and I can vouch for this as a pastor. My study time, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, my study time for, for Wednesday Bible study and the Sunday morning uh, teaching consumes a lot of hours during the week to do a deep dive into those texts and, and really bring forth what, what the word of God wants his people to know today. But that does not take the place of my own personal devotional time and reading of the scripture for my own nurture and edification. And that's one of the things that ministry leaders lack, Mm -hmm. focusing on that. 
Right. One of the things that I that I talk about is I use the passage Song of Solomon 1 verse 6 that says, they made me keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have yeah. not kept. Yes. And that I had to sit with that for a long time, to be honest with you. It it really convicted me. It really caused me to pause because I think that's what happens as leaders is we are always taking care of everybody else's quote unquote figurative vineyard. Mm-hmm. Everybody else's spiritual yard is green and lush and beautiful and cared for. But later when we stop and look at our own yard, we look at our own vineyard, our own soul, we realize there's weeds, there's overgrowth. There may be some dead places. The foxes have crept in and there's been destruction. And so we've got to stop and take a really good hard look at our soul and make sure that we're pouring out of rest and we're pouring out of our connection with God and not operating in autonomy thinking we've got this. Yes, that's that's exactly right. One of the one of the principal points I've learned over the years I've been pastoring for 25 years now and and various ministries for 35 born again believer for 40 years now that's hard to believe where did 40 years go um but one of the things that that i've learned over those years is that we have to live for god and 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 identify what his expectations are and then live in that right not the expectations of what other people have for us because i can tell you something that's a losing battle. That's right. That's right. So the layout of the book, uh, friends, for those of you who've joined me, and, and thank you for joining me today. We are talking with author, ministry leader, Marianne Howard. The book is Rest, Overcoming mm-hmm. Spiritual Fatigue. Uh, it's only eight chapters, but again, I'm telling you, you better have a, a notebook and pen with you because you're going to want to jot down some things. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I grabbed a quote. I forget where it was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, in here and posted it someplace. I, I forget, forget now, but it'll come back to me before we're done. I'm sure. <laughs> so, so eight chapters, but the first four chapters will identify mm-hmm. areas in your life that reveal resistance to rest. Now, yeah. some folks have probably said, well, I rest all the time. I, yeah. I, I'm retired. I re- That's not the kind of rest we're talking about. No, <laughs> no. This is no. spiritual rest, isn't it? Marianne? That's right. That's right. That's right. And it comes from Jesus. He says, come to me, Matthew 11, all, all means all those little words are so important in scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are crushing it and living your best life. And I'm going to give you something. No, he he declares, come to me, stop, turn, release, surrender, come to me. Amen. And I'm going to give you rest. I'm the giver of rest. Amen. Amen. So the first four chapters identify areas in our lives that reveal resistance to rest and the second half of the book. So this isn't just about, hey, here's the issues. Yeah. Hey, what are we supposed to do? It's about, here are the issues. Now, here are the solutions. The last half of the book considers, Mm -hmm. uh, and you call them restorative chapters. And I thought that was a good term to use. Um, Here's a quote before we move on to chapter one. Um, You say in the introduction, your soul is a sacred place created by God for God. Mm -hmm. When your soul is disregarded, it doesn't eventually fix itself. Only Jesus can mend and restore the weary places in you. 
Amen. Right. This isn't about self-help. This is about surrendering to our That's Lord right. and That's letting right. have his way. Yes. I, I just heard an illustration this week about control. It's such a myth. We all know this and we laugh and we shake our head. Yes. You know, when we hear surrender, it's so difficult because, you know, it's releasing control. But uh, I heard the illustration that control is like trying to carry this big, huge pile of laundry to the laundry room. And you're trying to make sure you don't drop any pieces along the way. I mean, isn't that such a beautiful picture of what control is. is like? We're trying to make sure the socks don't fall and the shirts don't fall. And you've got, you're holding this mountain of things and you're yes. hoping you're going to make it from across the house to yes. the laundry room with every piece. And that's exhausting. It is. And Jesus is like, let me carry that. Let me do that for you. Yes. And so, you know, control's a myth. We don't have it. He says he goes before all things and in him holds all things together. Yes. So we've got to trust that he is the holder and keeper of all things. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I'm picturing myself with that big mound of clothes as you're talking about that. It's like, <laughs> I can't even see where I'm going. I know. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So chapter one, spiritual neglect, spiritual Mm -hmm. neglect. There Mm -hmm. are some signs of of soul Mm -hmm. neglect. And you actually give us in in this chapter um, four. Oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. I grabbed that that Robert Murray McChaney quote. Mm -hmm. No amount of activity in the king's service will make up for neglect of the king himself. Wow. That's right. Yeah, that's that's powerful right there. But spiritual neglect. Um, you give us some signs that, mm-hmm. that we can look out for to, mm-hmm. to understand, because folks, let me tell you something in this area of spiritual intimacy and spiritual rest and abiding in Christ, everything that that entails, that's a blind spot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Substitute busyness, hurriedness. So we're going to talk about all these things, but, but we mm-hmm. think because of this, then we are resting. And the fact of the matter is, Mm-mm. That's not what the Lord has called us to. So anyway, what are some of the signs of soul neglect? The first one you you mentioned is distraction. Whew. That's a big oh, one. distraction. It is. And I'll tell you, James 1.14, this is important, says that we are lured and enticed by our own des- evil desires, our own desires. It's not a one size fits all enticement. I'm actually traveling and speaking on this very thing in a few days. And I have this visual illustration, this visual picture of a lure, a fishing lure. If you've ever been fishing, you get the shiny, bright lure. And it, you know, the purpose of a lure is to throw that out there and to draw the fish to come and eat. And and he thinks it's food, but we know it's not. It's going to take his life. It's going to kill him so that we can eat him, right? Yeah, that's and right. so we've got to choose to look at distraction that way. Distraction is anything and everything that's coming and competing for your focus on Christ, your devotion to Christ. And FYI, I just read a statistic that we now have the attention spans of goldfish. Oh boy. Eight seconds. Wow. We are, we are distracted every, we only have the ability, the cognitive ability right now to focus for eight seconds. We've got the minds of goldfish and it's because of the digital age, I believe, mm-hmm. but we are distracted so many times. It's, we're moving left and right and there are so many different things coming our way. And so distraction, just distraction is coming. The enemy is using distraction against our devotion to Christ. Number yes. two is the danger of complacency. Yes. 
And yes. it's that that feeling of being satisfied, but unaware of actual the danger of deficiency. It's a dangerous one because complacency, you can just settle right into that lazy boy recliner, yep. spiritually speaking, yep. and not even realize that you are even complacent. It's That's just right. this settling in. And then the drift of wandering affections where our affections are going in many various different directions and we're longing and loving and lingering on things that are not Christ. Yes. Um, and then finally apathy. And that's just where we are just in an apathetic drift, if you will, spiritually. Yes. Now here's so something. Just a few. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Marianne. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's just a few just to kind of get us started in chapter one on the glass. Yes. So, so here I highlighted this because I thought, well, this is the process. Um, all those distractions that Marianne just talked about, folks, will seduce. And I'm reading from from your book now will seduce our hearts affections. You see, yeah. All of those things that we think are, 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 are defining us as productive and efficient and valuable and all of those things, they're actually that, that lure, that shiny spinner on that lure that, that draws yeah. your attention away from the hook that's in there to grab a hold of you. It, mm -hmm. it seduces our heart's affections away yeah. from the Lord Jesus yeah. is the point. So they become idols. They become mm -hmm. idols. And, right. and how difficult it is to root out something mm -hmm. that we don't even understand is idolatry. So mm -hmm. here's, here's what you write. They become idols that we have to have all of these things mm -hmm. our time on. We can't live without them. The heart begins to demand them. I thought that was mm -hmm. that spot on because <laughs> then we start justifying and making excuses why we have to continue in this direction. Mm -hmm. Then we believe we deserve them. Now, yeah. personally, I think that's the step right before the fall because when, when, yeah. when people start justifying their behavior and what they think they deserve. Yeah. The fall yeah. is next. So, so the heart begins to demand them. Then we believe we deserve them and the lover of our soul must provide them, meaning mm -hmm. God. So mm -hmm. God becomes an end to a means rather than the end itself. Mm -hmm. That's spot on. God becomes like mm -hmm. a uh, cosmic vending machine. Right. A vending machine for our happiness. A vending machine for our happiness. That's and that's it. not who he is. That's, That's not, not who, who he is. He's, no. he's, he's so much more than that. And I don't want to ever treat him that way. And, you know, here's the other thing, the root of distraction and all of these things that I've listed, you know, the root root of it is self-seeking, self-motivated and self-centered all of itself. So that's a great evaluation point right there is look at your distractions. They reveal a lot about you. They reveal what you love most, what you trust mm -hmm. most, what you fear most, Yes. If you were to make a list of what distracts you the most, sit with those and look at what are they revealing about your heart? What are you demanding from God? And what do you need to confess and reorient away from? That's exactly right. Amen. Amen. So we have ignored that a ministry leaders, your pastor, Bible study, whatever the case might be. Most powerful leadership tool is a rested, healthy soul and a leader deeply connected to Christ. That's what we should wish for them yeah. um, and pray for them. 
to be able to to achieve and even verbally uh, encourage them to pursue that, remind them that that this body, this fellowship, and and we have a very small fellowship here. We have uh, an associate pastor and 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 others who are in leadership position, but uh, we don't have a staff of thirty people or anything like that. So so there's a lot of responsibility on a very select number of people. But the thing that I love about this fellowship, Calvary, is that people understand that leadership are humans just like they are. They have their own needs and their wants, and they have to take that. And we have to afford them the time yeah, to pursue right. that intimacy with with the Lord. Um, right. So this goes into uh, the passage from Song of Solomon you were talking about. I, I, I highlighted this before we move on to chapter two. <laughs> It is safe to say that the person who does not keep their own vineyard will never properly keep the vineyards of others. others. Boy, yeah. is that the truth? Yeah. We can't adequately mm-hmm. care for others if we're not caring for ourselves. No, we can't. Because sooner and or later we'll have a train wreck, right? That's right. Well, and then that's why I think we're seeing the record numbers of moral failures and uh, all of the things that are happening within ministry leadership is because we we've started to flex our own quote unquote muscles mm-hmm. of, of autonomy of, I can do this apart from him. And he's clear in his word apart from me, you can do nothing. Sorry. And so we, he's, that's ultimately the goal of this book is to call every person who reads it closer to Jesus, to need him, to walk with him, to press in, to know him. We can't listen, burned out leaders, disciple and develop burned out leaders. Yes. Yeah. That's discipleship. I mean, if you're burned out on the ragged edge, then then that's what you're going to replicate. Yes. But, but here's the, and this is what I say in mentoring conversations when I'm, when I'm talking with young women and girls as they're building a, you know, wall of gatekeepers of truth is what I call them. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is you don't necessarily, you don't want to necessarily link your life with perfect. You want to link your life with desperate. So it's like, I, I want to see minute. I want to, I want to follow shepherds who are desperate for Jesus, who are, who are walking with him, not perfect, desperate, needy. Yes. longing. That's right. Now, now, as soon as you say that, Marianne, I'm thinking, okay, some people are going to, going to hear that as weak, as, um, uh, vulnerable in, in, in the wrong sense. Sure. But what that, what you just described reveals a, a son or daughter of God that just wants to sit at the feet of Jesus and, right. and soak up that presence and soak up that blessing and his anointing and, and his That's love right. and his grace. And um, perhaps if we would look at it that way, yeah, better prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would, as we're moving through this chapter, I, I would love for our, the listeners to hear Psalm 107 verse nine says, for he satisfies the longing soul. And the hungry soul, he fills with good things. So I just want to say, if you're tired, even if you're operating in some self-sufficiency and pride and arrogance, this scripture truth is for you. He satisfies the longing soul. Just declare that he's God and you're not. You're not God. And you're not weak. The, the, The call to walk with Christ is about surrender. That's not about weakness. That's about he's God. He's creator God. 
And we're, we're image bearers of Almighty God. There's a difference there. See, he creates, <laughs> it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He creates something out of nothing. We have to have materials to create anything. There's yes. the difference. He's yes. God. We're not. That's right. Amen. That's exactly right. Um, producer, we're just about at the bottom of the hour, and uh, that would be time for our sponsor spot. If you would like to run that, folks, please stay with us uh, on the other side of this of this uh, sponsorship spot. We're going to talk about um, the danger of distraction, and we're going to talk about what distraction feeds, mm-hmm. the, the rule that distraction places on our heart, We're going to talk about distraction as an enemy of listening to God. This is powerful stuff, friends. So stay with us on the other side of this this break. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Whoa, whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. Friends, thank you for staying with us uh, the other side of the break. I am talking with author, ministry leader, Marianne Howard. The book is Rest, Overcoming Spiritual Fatigue. One of the dangerous things about spiritual fatigue beyond not even recognizing it as being fatigued, spiritually speaking, is because we're distracted. So many things in our in our culture today, and we could just focus on America alone. But I want to I want to start this segment, Marianne, with a quote. You, you start chapter two with a quote by A.W. Tozer. I yes. love Tozer's writings. Um this is what he said that you you have in your book, chapter two. Among the enemies to devotion, none is so harmful as distractions. Whatever excites the curiosity, scatters the thoughts, disquiets the heart, absorbs the interests, or shifts our life focus from the kingdom of God within us to the world around us, distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. The Boy. best, de- that, that is the best definition. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so, so in this chapter, you talk about some of the dangers. Um, and I'll just give this quote, and then I'm going to give some of those dangers and let you uh, comment on them. But you write in this chapter, being consistently distracted will diminish our ability to know God, meet mm-hmm. God, love God, treasure God, and enjoy God. And then hmm. right before you jump in there, you give a you give a wonderful quote from Pastor Louis Giglio mm-hmm. that I thought, boy, that's 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 really good. Um, 
So I'm just going to read it. And then, and then I want you to talk about why distraction makes intimacy impossible. So, mm-hmm. so Pastor Louis says this. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. Mm-hmm. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. Mm-hmm. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On the throne mm-hmm. is what you worship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a smack right across the cheek. Yeah. So distraction yeah. makes intimacy impossible. What does that mean? If the enemy can keep you from your Bible, if the enemy can keep you from prayer, if the enemy can keep you from connecting with God, he's winning. Oh, yeah. And he just and distractions are keeping you from that. Yeah. You know, I, I had to do a little bit of a, a reorientation of my my habits at home because so many of us, we keep our phone plugged in right by our faces. And so every morning I wake up and I'm reaching for my phone rather than reaching for God's word. And it's, it's you know, his word is what gives me peace. His word is what gives me direction. His word is what gives me life. His word is what gives me what I need for the day. It's bread, right? It's literal taste and see that the Lord is good. That is what God's word is, but I'm reaching for my phone and scrolling. And so the distractions are going to always compete for your focus on Jesus. Yes. So that that's, so that's why we've got to be aware of what, what is doing that to us? Yes. What is doing that to us? Yes. And, and listen, friends, it might mean that you'll have to uh, remove that from maybe not entirely from your life depends, but you may have to remove it and not spend so much time or focus on it. Mm -hmm. So I I thought that was really good. In fact, I even asked my wife, (laughs) I even asked my wife, I said, uh, am I the only person on the face of the earth that has not downloaded a game app on their phone? I have no game apps on my phone. I didn't even know these things existed. It's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, I missed the boat someplace, but praise God. I, That's I right. <laughs> That's, That's exactly right. That's I like exactly the way right. That you, I like the way that you uh, titled this next section. Mm-hmm. You actually used the word grooms. I thought, ooh, <laughs> there's a picture. Distraction mm-hmm. grooms self-centeredness. Tell us about that. That's right. And it's kind of, it goes back to what I was saying earlier at its root distraction is self-seeking, self-motivated and self-centered and grooms. That word is, it's cultivate. It's slow. It's a slow growing puts yourself on the throne of your life. Mm. And so it, and I'll tell you something, self-centeredness. I write this in the book. Self-centeredness never satisfies. Mm. It leaves a bitter aftertaste in your mouth. And there's more to life than just you. Remember who you are in Christ. Shift your attention away from yourself and onto God who's worthy of it all. (laughs) That's that's powerful. So, so it grooms self-centeredness. Um, distraction feeds on discontentment. Oh man, discontentment. So I was driving through the country recently and I see this farm and I wish I would have taken a picture of this because it's such a picture of discontentment. I see this cow who's in his pasture and 
he's got very lush green grass in his pasture, but he's got his face shoved outside of the fence and he's eating grass on the other side of the fence. And that is such a picture of discontentment. You know, we often think that the grass is greener on the other side, but the grass is greener where you water it. Yes. And so we've got to stay focused on what God has placed in front of us. And I will tell you something. Discontentment is a nasty, nasty, nasty lure away from God. And, and I think you probably read in here where I talk about how it's just like when God provided manna for the Israelites and that's what happens for us. He provides us what we need, but then we complain and say, oh, it's not salty or buttery. That's discontentment is he yeah. gives us what we need. And, and he's given us, he, when we look at what God's placed in front of us and where he wants us to fulfill his purposes for his greater glory, we need to be grateful for right where we are and not keep looking to the left and to the right. Yes. And uh, with scrutiny and discontentment, it, it is, it, it is not pretty. No, no, it certainly is not. And, and uh, as you said, that can be a very, very subtle thing. Yeah. Um, it can. Yeah. That's right. So uh, distractions rule and unprioritized are. Yeah. 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 So it's basically your schedule and what happens is you're rarely very present. And I get into this into the pace chapter where the pace of your life compromises how you engage other people. But when, when you're not, when Jesus is not the first thing, when he's not the one that you're moving to, towards first, and he's not the one determining your day and your schedule and your yeses, then, then you're unprioritized and you're, you're saying yes to things, your, your schedule, your calendar's getting overwhelming and you're, you're not fully present because you're thinking about the next thing. And so distractions rule an unprioritized heart. It starts to become a ruler and you're distracted with so many things that the main thing is no longer the main thing. That's right. Amen. And for that's dangerous territory, friends, as a believer mm-hmm. in the Lord Jesus, that is dangerous, dangerous territory. And then, and then finally, um, distractions are the enemy of listening to God. That, that, what I what I was thinking when I when I read this, I, it took me back to, um, well, probably thirty years or so now. Uh, Henry Blackaby wrote a book called "Experiencing God," and fantastic book. yeah, fantastic book. It 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 had a profound effect on me then, and I still remember the one thing that I've probably said a thousand times, but I've said it once over the years, is is the point that he made. He said, you cannot go with God and stay where you are. Mm. So I was thinking about that when I was reading this chapter about distractions are the enemy of listening to God. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because uh, the enemy is going to keep you right there. So you can't go with God because you're not even hearing him. You're not even capable right. of, of listening because there's so many distractions. That's right. That's right. I, Mark, Mark 4.24, I quote this in the book. I, you quote this in the book, pay attention to what you hear. And the author of Hebrews highlights the importance of our attention, not just in our coming to faith, but enduring in faith. Yes. We must pay much a closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We've got to be hearers yes. of God's word. And we've got to remove the noise And I get into that on how to practice silence later on in chapter six, but we've got to practice silence. I know that we're moving through time, but I want to say this. 
When you read Psalm 46, the whole chapter, you know, be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, verse 10, it's cross-stitched, it's tattooed on people, it hangs in our houses, it's everywhere because we're drawn to stillness. We want stillness because we realize we live in such a unstill world, a busy, hectic world. But it says, be still and know that I'm God. When you read that in context, from start to finish, all of it in its entirety, to be honest with you, it's be still so that you can know that I am God. That stillness and silence is necessary so that you can know that he is God. He's not going to shout. He can, but he doesn't choose to because he wants you quiet so that you can discern and hear him. Yes. Amen. So I'm bringing that up right now. Um, (laughs) In context, you're you're spot on, Marianne. Uh, The New American Standard, which is what I use, uh, 4610 says, cease striving Striving. and know that I am God. That's right. That fits perfectly with what you're saying here because we are so busy. Uh, especially kicking against the goads. Now we would, we would deny that. That's not what we're doing at all, but it's like, yeah, he is (laughs) trying to pour into you and you're rejecting that because you're, you got your own agenda. Stop striving. Be silent and hear the Lord. And it's a rebuke. It's a rebuke. I mean, he's not suggesting here in the context of the passage he is. And if you read it in its entire which I hope you guys will later tonight before you go to bed. This is a great chapter yes. to read before you go to bed in light of this book. It's it's chaos. There's lots of chaotic things happening. And the character of God is mentioned over in refuge, strength, very present help. Yes. You know, he's a steady stream in the middle of, of, a, of a city that doesn't even happen, but that's a whole nother thing. And he makes wars cease. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. And then he says, after all this chaotic stuff, all of this destruction, all of this, "Ah," you know, he says, be still, stop striving and know that I'm God. And I'm telling you, it has been life-giving to me to see my stillness helps me know him. My silence helps me know him because it helps me hear. Mm -hmm. That's right. Amen. Amen. So you give us uh, five steps to help fight distraction. distraction. Uh, yes. and, and I'm just going to list these and you can, yep. you can speak to any one or all that you okay. would like to. Okay. But steps to help us help us fight distraction. Be attentive. Examine your habits. Mm-hmm. Practice listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Practice yeah. it. Realign your routines and be intentional. <laughs> any one of those you want to yes. jump on. Yes. Well, I want to just back up before we do these. Number one, back to what we were just talking about. I think number one, you've got to slow down, slow down. Slowing is an intentional pause and it's a choice. And God does not always speed up to catch up with slow down to his pace. The pace of your life will determine who shepherds your soul leader. Amen. I'm just going to say that. Yes. Examine your habits. You need to look at what's compromising life-giving habits that cultivate intimacy with Christ. Look at your habits. Your habits will tell you. You need to examine them. Look at them. I use like a magnifying glass for that, for that point. Next, pay attention. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. What yes. have practice listening and unplug the noise and plug into the presence of God. Listen, we've got to silence the chirps and the dings. We have to Mm -hmm. silence them and then be intentional. I I like to use a visual with this one. Be intentional. I like to use a target with a heart in the middle. 
because we've got to get aggressively attentive because listen, the enemy's aggressive too. Mm -hmm. He's aggressively opposed to you and your walk with God. But see, he's calling us to get aggressively attentive to God, the giver of rest. The best way to fight distraction is with your devotion, your attention. I want to say that again. The very best way for you to fight attention, and I hope we raise up some fighters here, the best way to fight distraction is with your devotion, with your attention. Stop letting the enemy win. Stop letting him drive you away from Jesus and, and fight, fight to press in to know him. Yes. Amen. Amen. And, um, it reminds me of some advice. I, I don't have time to slow down. I don't have time to do. I don't have time to spend time. I don't have. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you do. Take five minutes. Just You got five minutes right now. Most people will say, yeah, I got five minutes. Okay, start there. Take five yeah. minutes. That's right. And start doing right. these things. Here's what I believe. If you'll do that, if you'll commit yourself to five minutes, he's going to give you mm-hmm. 10. He's going That's to right. 10. Yeah. Be intentional. That's, that's, that's the point. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. chapter three, I was hoping we would get here and, and we may uh, Mm. jump from here to to some of the, uh, the end material, because that's where you give us the Mm -hmm. solutions. But Mm -hmm. chapter three is, is adapting to empty. Now you used yourself as an illustration. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You had your boys in the in the in the car, and I thought that was a great. That's a great personal yeah. anecdotes are great in in to to illustrate things like this. So, what do you mean? Yes. How do we adapt to empty? So every time you get in my car, in fact, even today, I thought about it when I pulled into the driveway today. Every time you get in my car, I'm near E. <laughs> I'm near empty, and I have a newer car, so I literally push it um, to the point where it's blinking. And we were headed to an appointment and my son is seeing, and I'm preparing the boys. Hey guys, we may have to push, you know, we may have to call dad to bring us some fuel. I don't know. But what happened is my son said, mom, how long have you been on empty? And it struck me in those words. I I often allow my soul to adapt to empty, which is very arrogant because here's the thing. We ignore the the figurative fuel light to stop and refuel. And FYI, there's gas stations all over the place. I live in DFW. There is a gas station like seconds from each other. And I just, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too overcommitted. I'm too overworked. I'm too underrested to stop and refuel with God and his word. And we have access to him all the time, anytime. And so he's calling us. So often I push and see how long I can go, which is so dangerous, which is what I reveal in the chapter. Yes, yes. And I, I want to just bring this point up and then I've got another quote that I want to share. But one of the things in adapting to emptiness in this chapter you talk about is the prison of people pleasing. And I and I love <laughs> I wish I knew who 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 to attribute this quote to. So I guess I'll just say unknown. But but I'm on page uh, 56, 56 of your mm-hmm. book. And the quote is, if you want to make people happy don't be a leader, sell ice cream. (laughs) Right. Isn't that the truth? Yes. Oh my goodness. I'll tell you something. People pleasing is, well, it's a prison and I've heard it. um, it, it, I've battled it all my life. I battle it significantly in ministry. I have to go back to 
Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to gain the approval of man or of God? Mm-hmm. It can it can be an exhausting hamster wheel or treadmill, however you want to look at that. You, you don't get anywhere. When a hamster is running on a hamster wheel, you're just running in circles. You're not making any ground. The same thing on a treadmill. You're running on a treadmill. You know, you may feel better, but you're not moving in in a direction. And, you know, my, my prayer in this, when you read this, is that you would be a God pleaser. That yes. There is rest. He's taking the weight. You're doing it for him. Let him take the weight um, because you just can't make anybody happy and it's exhausting. That's, that's exactly right. And in this chapter, you talk about the burden of busyness, the seduction of self-sufficiency. You talk yeah. about the prison of, of people pleasing. So, so I mentioned that for our viewers sake, because I want to share this quote. This is the one that I, I thought, well, I'm, I can think of a number of different places I'll be able to use this on page 57 under the impact of identity. So summing summing these things up, we're always assigning to ourselves some kind of identity. There are only two places to look. I will either get my identity vertically from who I am in Christ or I will shop Shop for for it horizontally in situations, experiences, and relationships in my daily life. This is true of everyone, but I'm convinced Mm -hmm. that ministry leaders are particularly tempted to seek their identity horizontally. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. That's right. You are not, you are not something because you are in ministry. You are not something because of whatever position it is that you hold. You're something because of Christ. And I spend a, a, I I don't know if you see the pages in there that are everything according to scripture, who you are in Christ that my dear friend wrote. And, and my husband will pray these over me. My, we pray these over my children. We read them. We want to build a fortified identity wall around my boys. Um, And so those are powerful. That is enough to have a devotion time with Jesus for a year. Amen. Because it's everything according to scripture, who you are in Christ. And something you can even do in your own devotion time is you could look at those truth statements and look up those scriptures and highlight them as you go. It is powerful. Yes. Amen. So jumping to chapter five now, invited yes. to rest. We've yep. got about 10 minutes left. Uh, yes. Um I knew we wouldn't get through the book. There's too much good stuff in here mm-hmm. to talk about. Thank you. So again, uh, Marianne Howard, the book is Rest. Mm-hmm. Rest. Yes. It's, it's uh, you know, I'll say it again. Rest. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean sitting in your recliner. It can yeah. be that if you're, right. you're having intimacy and intimate time with, right. with the Lord Jesus, but overcoming spiritual fatigue. So now... Yeah. Chapter five, you've titled Invited to Rest. That's yeah. that's something we forget, isn't it? Yes. It's an invitation. And Jesus is always invita- inviting. He's always saying, you know, we, it's easy for us in this world, the way people operate, it's, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to like you, so I need you to clean things up before I can engage you. But that's not how Jesus works. He invites us with all of our baggage in. He doesn't say, check it out the door. He says, bring it into me. He says, come to me. There's a turning. Stop stop trying to think you've got to clean it all up, trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Come to me and I will give you rest. And so I move through in chapter five, a theology of work and rest and understanding what the Bible says about it, why, the, why there's a created order there. Um, I think it's important for us to understand. I want to just say as leaders, 
he said to honor the Sabbath day. He, he, he created the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Yes. He did not declare a person holy. He did, did not declare a thing holy. He declared a day holy. And so let me challenge you. Are you treating rest as holy? Yes. Ooh. And are you operating out of where you're leading to rest instead of leading from it? Because there's a difference. <laughs> a lot of times, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I, you know, hustle and work and grind it out, all the like work titles. And, you know, I'm working really hard and I'm working to rest. But that's what I'm hoping to dismantle in your theology as you read the book is that you would live and lead out of it. He wants you to come to him, the giver of rest, let him pour into you, press into intimacy with him, declare your need for him. And then out of that, you're leading and living. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. So, so the thought occurs to me as I'm listening to you, Marianne, the thought occurs to me that Jesus invited us to come to him. And he said, you know, if you'll do that, if you'll yeah. drink of this water, this right. water, that living I'm water, living That's water, right. That's that'll right. be you then. Yes. Torrents. <laughs> That's right. Torrents as as we as we're moving through, um, I, I'm doing like kind of a, a smaller version of the book, and I've named that my my breakout title when I teach it, redeem, the Redeeming Rest Roadmap. And so as we're moving through the restorative chapters, I want to just go through a few things, if that's okay, just to yes, equip please. our, our yes. listeners yes. to get them through the rest of the book. Just Yes, yes. Kind of an eye. Number one, confess your need for him. Psalm 73, verse 25 through 26. My heart and my flesh may fail, comma, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Yes, Your strength and your heart, they're going to fail you. That's burnout. That's spiritual Mm -hmm. fatigue. Mm -hmm. But God, to the left of the but God is hopeless. To the right of the but God is your strength and your portion forever. Roadmap, declare your need for him, confess your need for him, say my heart and my flesh, they're failing, but God, I need you. Number two is the parking. I have the parking, like the little parking pin on the map and it's cultivate disciplines for intimacy, which we've kind of already talked about. I speak about four. Number one is the discipline of silence. Number two is the discipline of solitude then stillness, then surrender. And I go into a deep dive of what all four of those are. But that I, your Philippians 3.10 of, I want to become deeply and intimately acquainted with you. And the way that you are deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus is by practicing some of these spiritual disciplines to help you connect with him. And then next is, I have a pin drop on the map of a sheep. And the third step is to be a sheep. Mm. We are always leading and shepherding. And I want to just say, leader, go out to pasture. You've got to be led by your shepherd. Yes. Be led by your shepherd. And I go through Psalm 23. And a lot of people have said chapter seven is their favorite chapter mm-hmm. because of the work through Psalm 23. Go be a sheep. Think about the quiet waters and the pastures and the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then finally, last but certainly not least, I've got the pin drop that's a home, that's a house, and that's for abiding. 
And that's to stay, let your heart abide in the house of Jesus. Let your heart remain, stay, linger. I have a passage that hangs in the center of my house, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 3. And it says, do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Amen. Linger with him. (laughs) I love that. Amen. So let me just conclude this. I've got... uh, I want to I want to quote J.C. Ryle that you have at the beginning of yes. eight. And then I want to quote you in uh-huh. in uh, that section under abide. And then I'll give you the last word. And, and sadly, we'll have to say uh, goodbye for now. But I'm uh-huh. sure our paths will cross again. Yes, I hope they do. Chapter eight, leading from rest. Here is uh, J.C. Ryle. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to always be leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him, and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. So in this chapter, this is what you said, and and I'll read this, and then I'll give you the last word. The fruit of a soul at rest in Christ is organic, and it's not mechanical. It's inside-out growth. Abiding in Christ is living, serving, and laboring for God in constant reliance on Jesus Christ. And that is where we find rest for our souls. Abiding Mm -hmm. is about union and communion with Jesus. A heart that abides with him discovers that Christ is the source of rest. That's right. That's right. So I want to just close with this thought. When we choose to come to Jesus for rest, his rest silences anxiety, diminishes autonomy, destroys idolatry, and his rest will confirm your identity. So that's how I want to close is just rest, rest in him. Go to the giver of rest, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Marianne, thank you so very much again. Friends, the book is Rest, Overcoming Spiritual Fatigue. You can find it on Marianne's website, www.marianne-howard.com. Marianne, it's been a blessing to chat with you today about your book, and I know it is already and will in the future do very, very well. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. You're very welcome. That's all we have for you today, friends. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for sharing this conversation with your friends and especially your friends, family members, or co-workers that you think would benefit from understanding what true rest in Jesus Christ is really all about. And listen, it's not something that's unattainable. It's something that Jesus wants us to experience. So share this show. We appreciate that very much. We'll see you next time here on WCN TV. God bless. Thank you.